Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. <laughs> All right. The beat means we're back with fixing your agile metrics. I'm Ryan Ripley, Will Seeley, Todd Miller. What's going on, gents? I'm really surprised that Will is able to do this um, in the mountains as if yeah. he's back there with a microphone. It's not windy at all. Well, I don't know. I'm, uh, I, I find myself in a nice, nice secluded little place up in the mountains of the Netherlands. Nice. So, Will, it must be story time if you're up in the mountains nestled away in the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so tell us a story. The, I can hear the fire crackling. Tell us a story, Grandpa Will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, the, the, the EBM course recently came out. Yep. And we, uh, we all now spend our days talking about, uh, uh, you know, control in a complex environment and measuring what matters and, and all those things. And one of the interesting things about EBM is that it doesn't, doesn't directly recommend here's a set of metrics that you need in your dashboard uh, and be done with it, right? It's a, it's a framework for creating something that, uh, that helps you control your organization. And for that, it, it defines, amongst other things, four key value areas, right? The ability to innovate, the time to market, the current value, and the unrealized value. And so today I want to, I want to talk a little bit about time to market. Right as an area, and and for that, as with as with most things, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about with an analogy. So my dad, uh, unlike the three of us, had an actual job where he did actual <laughs> things instead of just giving people unwanted advice. That's fair. Uh, he uh, he was a he was a sailor uh, for a long time and ended his career as a harbor pilot in the harbor of Rotterdam. Uh, now this is one of the this is one of the busiest harbors in the world. Uh, it takes on some of the biggest ships in the world, and he was one of very few people rated uh, to pilot 
super tankers into and out of the uh, Rotterdam Harbor. Um, now, I don't know if you've ever seen a super tanker in real life, um, but a super tanker is, um, I'm going to, I'm going to translate this to, to Imperial, um, is about 400 to 450 meters long or 1200 to 1500 feet. Huge, huge ship. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can be about 70 to 80 feet wide. Uh, they displace just. A, a lot of mass. And uh, if you remember high school days, you know that force is mass times acceleration. Right? So with that much mass, um, there's a lot of force going on there when they move. And so one of the interesting things when you want to get a ship into the Rotterdam Harbor is that many kilometers outside of the harbor, uh, many miles outside of the harbor, um, the engines go off. And it just drifts into it through a very narrow gully, using a few very, very tiny ships to help steer it a little bit. They can't turn the engine on. Uh, even worse than that, it is so massive, in fact, that they can't even stop the ship very quickly. Stopping the ship is already an exercise that takes many miles. It is so massive, in fact, that were you to put the engines in full reverse, the engines would tear themselves out of the ship. <laughs> uh, we're hmm. truly dealing with fascinating powers here. Here's the thing, though, is when they're drifting into harbor, being with, with very minute controls, if that isn't calculated exactly, they know hours in advance that they're going to crash into something. Hmm. Um, and there's an interesting analogy to be had here. Right, They can have all the information in the world. And actually, most of those tankers have all the information in the world. They use GPS, they use real-time kinetics, they use radar, they use sonar. They have tons and tons and tons of information at their disposal. But they need to know all of this way, way, way in advance to make sure that no mistakes happen. Um, otherwise, well, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but there was recently a little bit of an issue in the, uh, in the uh, Suez Strait uh, near Egypt with a <clears> ship that kind of, you know board itself into the side there they know that these things can happen way in advance um and so this is kind of in a way the challenge that i think all of us encounter with some customers the ones that are interested in metrics the ones that are interested in outcomes but don't have the release cycle to actually do anything with those outcomes some of them will do measures, will know that something is up, will know that they have to enter a different market, need to address a different customer, uh, deal with different features, but their release cycle, maybe through circumstances of their own, maybe, maybe through the legal framework that they're in, are so long that they can actually see the accident happen many months out. Yeah, you know, I can't help but think that this tanker ship 95% of the time, if we put that into context of software development, we don't need a tanker ship, right? Or we've we've accumulated a tanker ship full of technical debt, and we are so slow to be able to move it, you know, to paint your analogy, that really the only way out of it is to spend money and break that tanker ship into smaller ships. Yeah. Yet we don't. We layer it with metrics. We layer it with, um, with different 
scaling frameworks uh, just to cover up the fact that we've got this huge monolithic tanker ship that has no ability to move. Well, it's a failure of adaptation too, right? Like this is really just, we, we see the problem way ahead and we know we're going to hit something, but we're not the tanker ship. We can actually change. Organizations are choosing not to, right? They're choosing not to. And so what I like about the analogy, Will, is that I think a lot of the companies we work with are kind of the, they're in the tanker ship situation. They see the danger, they know it's coming. For whatever reason, adaptation is difficult. Um, but what I like about how you started this is, you know, you start talking about time to market with EBM. We can actually measure this. We can actually measure the, the failure to adapt. We can start measuring the cost of that. We can measure, I think more importantly, when we do adapt, we can watch time to market being one big EBM uh, KVA that, uh, and we can see if our changes are actually effective, which I think is interesting as well. If they do make a minute adjustment on the tanker in your example, I would imagine there's a lot of people crunching a lot of numbers to make sure it was correct. Yeah. And this is, and this is in a situation where you have almost perfect information, right? There are some things about, about the currents and the weather that are predictive, but everything else, how much you weigh, how, how much is in the engines, where you are exactly, how much displacement you have, how far you're away from the edges or the, or the ground, all of this is known. And even then, in a game of near-perfect information, right, accidents happen. We don't have that luxury. Yeah, that's a solid point. Yeah. You don't have that luxury when you're, when you're building a product, right? We don't have the luxury of having and understanding all of the inputs, knowing exactly that we're two miles away, right? At what speed we're coming in, what weight we have. We, we, we don't know that. You don't know how a customer is going to respond, right? You don't know how a customer is going to respond until they get it and you see how they respond. No matter how much we talk to them, no matter how much analysis we do, no matter how much we try to make it predictive. Yeah. There's, a, there's a beautiful article uh, by our mutual fan, uh, friend, Dan Vacanti, uh, called uh, Don't Be a Ditka, uh, which I understand to be some sort of sports reference that no one knows about. But Da Bears, yeah, everybody, coach. Yeah, everybody everybody knows about it here. Wait. I mean, nobody. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and Ryan's, a, Ryan's a Bears fan. He knows about it intimately. How I dare know. you come on our show and insult yes. Ryan, Will? I know how to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, makes, he makes a wonderful point there that I think even when a company kind of embraces a more outcome-driven approach, uh, the focus tends to be a lot about value, right? Either either the the actual measurable current value of what you produce, or you spend a uh, or you spend a lot of time making assumptions and calculations around future value. Right. And there's and there's never been a case of negative ROI ever uh, in, in in those predictions. And what and, and and what the article goes into quite quite well, I think, is is kind of making the case of, you know, none of this matters. Like delivering quickly matters. Yeah. Right? Just delivering whatever whatever you think of, if it if it makes a little bit of sense, as small as possible, as fast as possible, will give you better outcomes than all the estimation in the world. Right. Yeah, and you I, know, I think you make a, a good point, um, and I think that we could talk about it in a future episode, right? So you named uh, the four KVAs of uh, key value areas of evidence-based management, 
And at any given time, you might want to mind uh, attention to one of them in particular. I think this time to market KVA that we're talking about here is really important. Um, you could also be looking at uh, if you're building a new product, unrealized value and how much is we're trying to attack there. So I think it might be a, an interesting episode for us to do in the future to talk about um, when you might pay attention to a particular KVA over the other ones. Yeah, I, I do think in a way that until you get to a point where you can actually use the information that you have, actually steer the ship, um, everything else is a, just a little bit pointless, mm -hmm. right? It all, it all it can tell you is months in advance that you're going to crash, <laughs> right? With nothing you can do about it. And that's and that's where I think I think time to market comes in is is what do we know right now right what is what is the cycle time of features what is the time between releases how long do we spend stabilizing after a release what is the focus rate of our people right what are what are the things that we can measure internally and these are much easier to look into than what what outcomes you're looking at what what unrealized value you've yet to you've yet to encounter like many things about time to market are things a company can know internally. And I think, I think at least getting insight into that and improving on that is going to give you the ability to do things with the outcomes you're actually trying to accomplish. Well, I mean, the, this time to market. So people have, have asked us in the past, well, this EBM stuff, you guys have a new class. It's kind of a new, it, first of all, it's not brand new. Like EBM has been around for quite some time. They ask us where to start. I, I always point to time to market, right? Time to market unlocks your ability to innovate, which unlocks your ability to deliver value, which unlocks your ability to find new places to deliver value. And and so I really think time to market here is critical, right? And and yeah. Will you know mentioned a lot of good metrics here. The problem you're trying to solve is gonna is gonna really help you pick which metrics <clears throat> are really applicable. And so that's the neat part about this. It's another framework. We don't have a this is not a prescribed, you know, measure these five metrics and your product will be amazing. It's hmm. use these metrics to, to start validating information, to start running experiments, to give yourself a, a baseline. But time to market is, is a good starting point. If we can ship something, then we can figure out how to be innovative and outcome driven, right? Amen. Cool. What do you think, guys? Have we cleared this one? Are we... Or anything else to add? Like well, a our, good analogy. Our our fans will have to tell us, right? <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> ship it and see what they say. I think I think listener is kind of better than fan. Though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, you you have listeners. I'll take the fans. All right. So everybody, <laughs> send your love letters to Will. Uh, for the rest of you, drop us a comment. Let us know what you think about these stories. I think uh, love it when Will comes on here and tells us. Um, these different, uh, last time it was Vegas, this time it's a, uh, Rotterdam port, which I think is a cool, uh, analogy for a lot of the work we do. I know we've all seen ships come into the Harbor a little too hot, a little too fast, uh, in our careers. And so maybe you have too. leave us a comment. Let us know your experiences. Does, do these videos help? Uh, what questions do you have about metrics? Like, and subscribe. So, you know, when we drop the next video, uh, check out the socials. Hey, look, some videos just popped up. We think those could be helpful to you as well. Um, but yeah, let us know what, uh, what metric questions are bubbling around in your brains. And we'll see if we can get Will back from the mountains of the Netherlands <laughs> to help us out. 
but for Will and Todd, I'm Ryan Ripley. Go forth, measure things, improve, adapt. For Pete's sake, adapt. And we will see you next time. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.